this morning, we are in a sermon series around being people on mission. Was that awkward enough? Weird? No? Where people, people, we learn, people are our mission. And to reach them, we need to preach the gospel of Jesus by being different from everybody in the world. And last week, Johnny shared with us that we need to preach the gospel not just with our words from our mouth, but also with our entire lives, the way we live and our actions. This week, we're going to continue on in this series, but I want to focus more on how, the how of sharing the gospel of Jesus with those around us. But before I answer the question how, I think we need to get a better understanding of what we are actually doing when we share our faith. So, in a recent Barna research, they partnered with Alpha as an organization, and they polled a bunch of Christians and non-Christians of all generations. And the research showed that 94% of Christians believe that the best thing for all people is to know Jesus. Right? I mean, I think as people here in church, people who are followers of Jesus and yourself, if you are in that camp, then you would probably most likely agree, join the 94% of people that believe that Jesus is the best thing for people. So, I mean, I think, uh, I think I'm probably a little bit more concerned about the 6%, right? My thinking is, like, if, if you don't think Jesus is the best thing for people, then why are you doing it? Right? If you don't think Jesus is the best thing for everyone, then why do you adhere and why do you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? But that's another question that's somewhat irrelevant to my conversa- our conversation this morning. But one of the most alarming statistics that I found in that research was that 47%, almost half of Christians, believe evangelism is wrong. And you might be like, yep. I mean, I would imagine about half of you are saying, yep, I agree, I think evangelism is wrong. But something doesn't quite add up to me, because if if almost all of us believe that following Jesus is the best thing for everyone, how are people going to hear the good news of Jesus if we don't evangelize? But I think the real indication of that statistic isn't the outcome or the practice, but the actual word evangelism itself. So, before we go much further, let's have a brief talk about the word evangelism. Some might feel just by hearing that word spoken out loud in a church, it's like the cringe of all cringe, right? It's like, oh, it sounds so gross. It sounds icky. It sounds sleazy. It sounds uncomfortable. Anybody with me? No? You guys? Yeah? All right. I mean, it's okay. You can be honest. I'm not going to judge you. Generally can't see many of your faces, so it's okay. But to address the issues and overcome them, I think with this word, we, uh, we need to move, we need to address the word itself before we can move on with the mission at hand. So we have been somewhat intentional about not using that word in this sermon series for this very reason. It conjures up many uh, ill feelings, discomfort, dislike, cringy, icky feelings when that word is spoken. And I honestly, personally, don't like the word very much for that exact same reason. Uh, 
Uh, I came across a, a quote in a podcast, the theologian, his name is Bruce Hindmarsh, he said, uh, the trouble with words is you don't know where they've been. And this word evangelism has come to be misunderstood and aligned with judgment and condemnation. However, in its truest biblical form, evangelism, which is translated uh, the English equivalent of the Greek that means good news, good news, evangelism, in its truest biblical form, is the exact opposite of condemnation and judgment. If we read throughout the entire Bible, from front to back of this thing, the primary way God interacts with the people on this earth is not through judgment and condemnation. Sure, we certainly read stories. I mean, everybody's, mostly everybody's familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Like, certainly judgment and condemnation came in the form of obliterating an entire society and a city off the face of the earth. Yes, there's that. But it's only in extreme cases and with many other complex circumstances surrounding that judgment and condemnation. But when we read through our Bibles, we see God interacting through invitation. Invitation is God's primary way he interacts with his people. And we see so, and, uh, and when we see so many rules and, and commands and laws of such, we are actually misreading and misinterpreting them in such a way that makes us think that God is some big boss upstairs handing out legislations left and right for us to follow. But in reality, at this truest form, and at the heart of God, God repeatedly invites us, his people, invites us into communion, into relationship, into forgiveness, into formation. He invites us into healing, into the rest, and the list just continues on and on. Yes, he does call us to repent, but as we read in Romans 2, the author of Romans says, your kindness, Lord, leads us to repentance. He's not forcing us to repent. He's not forcing us into anything. He is inviting us. We see invitation in the Old Testament. We see it in uh, prophet Isaiah in 55. It says, come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. It's an invitation similar to the one Jesus would echo in John chapter 7, 37 and 38, where he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, Isaiah 55, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Jesus invites the fishermen he meets along the shore and says, Come, 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 follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, an invitation. In Matthew 11, we hear another invitation from Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a great invitation, church. And the Bible even ends in an invitation. An invitation to all of the world. Revelation twenty two seventeen reads this. Both the spirit and the bride say, follow this, do this, you must. No, it says the spirit and the bride say, come. Come, invitation language. Let us hear and let anyone who hears say, come. Come with me, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. It is invitation. The Spirit and the church invite anyone who hears, anyone who is thirsty to come. Invitation 
is throughout the Bible. It is God's method of spreading the good news. God is inviting us to follow him. So my point is, we cannot let our distaste or our dislike or the cringiness of a certain word to keep us from living out the mission God has given us. Call it what you will, and it doesn't matter what we call it. We just have to do it. We all believe that Jesus is the best answer for everyone. So what do we do? And I believe the best answer is invitation. The best answer to our world in need is an invitation. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading a parable in the, ch- in the 14th chapter. And this is a fun parable that Jesus tells while he's lounging around a table at a banquet with a bunch of religious leaders and, and the Pharisees of the day. Starting in verse 16, let's read. It says, Then he told him, this is Jesus, A man was giving a large banquet and invited many. Oh, there's an invitation. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, Come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. I asked you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Who goes out and tries out oxen? What are you talking about? As a reasonable excuse to pass up a free, delicious meal? I don't think so. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. Okay, I get that. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servants, Go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the city, and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. How's that for an invitation? 22, Master, the servant said, you, what you ordered has been done, and there's still room at the table. How about that? Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. The irony to me is really thick when Jesus, sitting around a table, a banquet of sorts, with a bunch of religious leaders that he was invited to, full of people who are of high status and high class, and the local elite and the religious community and everywhere, he's telling them they're too busy for him. Great. The thing about parables, though, in my opinion sometimes, is that uh, they tend to cause more questions than they answer. However, I think we can learn a really, uh, we can learn a great deal about our mission as followers of Jesus and further uh, the role of invitation, that, that the role of, that invitation plays, I'm sorry, into carrying out our mission. So, I'm going to ask a bunch more questions, right? Because that's what parables do. They just force us to ask questions. So I'm going to go back to my elementary school writing days. I don't know if you're with me. Remember the, uh, the five W's? You guys remember five W's? Made journalism people? No, the five W's, right? So I want to ask these five W's uh, about invitation that we can pull from this parable. So let's get moving. You ready? Buckle up. First W. Anybody know? Who? Who? First W. Who are we inviting? 
Think about throwing a dinner party like the man in this parable. Surely it was a huge banquet, uh, but let's think smaller, right? Let's think like dinner party, something manageable, something that you are more likely to do in the near future than throw a huge banquet. Think about the table you set in your dining room or kitchen. Now that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Think about who you would invite. Think about who you are setting the table for. So the man throwing this party, he invited so many people, many of his friends, people probably he was trying to impress as well. All to look good before these mighty people, but they didn't show. And for quite honestly, many lame reasons, except the guy who got married. But couldn't he let him know that he was going to get married and say, like, RSVP, no, I'm not going to be able to make it before the day. But they didn't show up. The master cooked all this food, prepared such a feast, and no one showed. Could it be, my question to you would be, could it be because he invited the wrong people? Did the people he invite want a banquet when they have all this food of their own and a choice of other banquets to attend? These people he invited in need of a banquet to attend to. When he realizes that those who he originally invited weren't coming, he sends his servants out. Does he find the next best class of people to come and eat and dine at his banquet? No. He invites the poor, the maimed, blind, and the lame. In other words, he invited everyone who has never been invited to a banquet before. And if it weren't for this man, they never would be. So who are we inviting? Who did Jesus invite? In Mark 2, 17, Jesus says, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So who are we to set the table for? Who are we to be inviting? Who needs to hear about Jesus and the good news of following Jesus? Who needs Jesus in their life? Who are the ones who wouldn't experience the feast of heaven if they weren't invited by one of us. The author of Romans challenges us, uh, challenges us, how can they believe without hearing about him? So, who are we inviting? Second question. Remember, what's the second one? What? You got the slide ahead of time, you guess. I was waiting for it. This is, in my, my opinion, one of the more, more critical questions, more critical W's of the whole group. What are we inviting people to? Is it really just a dinner party? Are we just inviting them over for good food or hopefully good food? Snack, dessert, drink? Does it have to be a full meal? The feast and banquet we are inviting them to isn't a literal meal, isn't literal food, but what we are inviting people into is a life of following Jesus. As Johnny talked about last week, we are on mission to point people to Jesus, that other people, others would reorient their lives towards Jesus. Bless you. It's an invitation to follow Jesus, to start a journey to discover the freedom and life available to them that can only come from following Jesus. So we, we are inviting people to encounter the love of God, to be moved, to be touched, to be transformed by His love. 
We aren't inviting them to church. We aren't inviting them to another event or program that we do or put on. We are inviting them, we are not inviting them into a bait and switch campaign to get more people here. We are not after more people filling these seats, attending our events or our programs, and we are certainly should not be tricking them into doing anything. We want people to experience the same thing we experienced when we encountered God's love and when we received his forgiveness, when we offer an invitation to follow Jesus, we leave the rest into the hands of the Holy Spirit. Remember, God doesn't need us to do anything, but he chooses us to do it all. And we trust and rely on his work and in his plan and in his will and in the work of the Holy Spirit through us and around us to make everything else happen. We divide who we're inviting, what we're inviting them into. And now, the next two I'm going to lump together. The next two W's. To save time, because they're relatively simple. It's the where, and the when, and the where. Right? Who, what, when, where. It's simply this, guys. You guys ready? Whenever. Wherever. We invite whenever we can and wherever we are. It doesn't have to be complicated, and it should definitely not be sneaky or tricky. It's as simple as right now and right here, or scheduling coffee with a friend who doesn't know Jesus. Even better, with less responsibility on your shoulders, as Johnny mentioned last week in uh, the email that we sent out and even just uh, talking about it at the end of the sermon, we're going to be launching Alpha across the church in September. So there will be plenty of whens and wheres in uh, this fall where we can invite someone to Alpha. I'm going to talk more about Alpha in a minute, but it's whenever and wherever, people. The invitation is open all the time. We don't need a special event. We don't need a special person to be doing the inviting. You can invite whenever, wherever. All right, so the fifth why. Who, what, when, where, and now... Why? Fifth W. Why? I give it away. I'm reading too much. So the question is, why should we invite people? Why? Why should we be doing this? And I think this is a paramount question to ask. And I don't know if you're aware of this, guys, but more and more people are stepping away from the faith at increasing rates these days. The fastest growing religious sector is those without faith, or as they are called and referred to as the nuns, because they have none as their religious affiliation. And we can see around us, our society, our world, we can see around us darkness and disarray all over the place and in so many individuals' lives. And if we really believe that Jesus is the best thing for everyone and all we need to do is offer a simple invitation then why not? God has created a banquet, a feast, full of his goodness, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, a table with a seat for every single person to come and eat. The table is set. It's waiting to be filled. God is sending us out like the men sent his servants in the parable to the streets, the alleys, and then to the highways and to the hedges. He's sending us out to invite everyone to his banquet party of life. And it's not just life. It is life to the fullest. 
life in its completion, life at its greatest, life at its most purposeful, life as its most fulfilling, most rewarding, life with Jesus. Why should we invite people? Because we have each experienced an encounter with God so great that it made such an impact on our lives that we should want others to experience the same. Why would we not want to invite people? If following Jesus is the best thing in your life, then how could we not want others to experience the same thing? We must invite everyone to the banquet God has made. The invitation is our part. The response and the result is up to the Holy Spirit and not us. So there's the five W's. But if my memory serves me right, there's a sixth one that doesn't start with a W but ends with a W. You guys tracking? So it's just in the wrong place. It's how, right? How? How do we invite people? How do we invite others? And see, the how is where I think the word evangelism has gotten its bad reputation. It's the method of evangelism for a lot of people that has turned us off to evangelism itself. Right? From forceful street corner preaching to turn and burn messaging to imposing on people the need to make a decision now to even arguing for Jesus. So much judgmentalism, so much condemnation, not so much love and grace. What we often see and understand to be evangelism uh, is, is a far from an invitation to begin a journey of following Jesus. And there is not a single cookie-cutter way to follow Jesus, to start following Jesus. You know, we hear stories of radical conver conversions, radical conversions, but honestly, church, that's not the norm. And they are really awesome stories to hear and to participate in and witness and to have, to build faith, but radical conversions, like instantaneous, everything's gone, everything's healed, everything's done, and everything's great because I gave my life to Jesus, that can happen, and it does, but it's not the norm. What is more normal is a journey is a journey towards learning and surrendering, of receiving the love of God over time in close connection and relationship with the community of other followers of Jesus. Rather than just say the prayer and you're done. That's an expectation that we tie to our experiences and witness of current evangelism practices. But the how needs to be different for it to work. See, what this research is showing us is that popular evangelism strategies are no longer compelling for Christians and non-Christians alike. We need to do it differently, like Elba told us a couple weeks ago. Evangelism needs to be an offer of an invitation to walk alongside those we invite, allowing the hard questions to be asked, and to be okay answering, you know, I don't know. Let's find out. And church, this is why we are launching and pushing Alpha this fall. And although it's not a new method, it is a definitely a switch in methods. 
And it is relatively new to us here as a church. It is, it is far different than corner preaching and forced decisions. Definitely far from arguing. Alpha is an opportunity to invite others on the journey and listen to their questions and their processing and allowing them to hear the message of Jesus in a relevant, relaxed, and open way. I'm super excited for Alpha. I'm super excited because I believe it is the thing that's going to launch for us as a church. Us on mission. It's going to launch us into mission as a church. To reaching out and to evangelizing in a not gross, not icky, not cringy way. But evangelizing by inviting others into following Jesus. I'm excited, but I've never participated in Alpha. But I see it as the, the necessary step for us as a church to take. Incorporating not just as another program that we do, but incorporating it into the culture of what we do at the Lancaster Vineyard. But since I'm not experienced in Alpha, we do have a resident expert in Alpha in Sarah Bay. And so I'm inviting Sarah Bay up on the stage because I have a couple questions to ask her and I want her to help us out and better understand what Alpha is. And uh, yeah, you can take this. You can have my table. It should be on. Is it? No, somebody turned it off. Or it was never on. But now it's on. Hello. There it is. There it Just, is. You know, right up to the chin, close. So this is this is Sarah Bay, everybody, pastor of outreach Hello. at our church. And yes, everybody. <laughs> Cheers to Sarah Bay. Um, she has uh, run four Alpha courses at, uh, at and through our church uh, in the past couple years. So that makes her the resident Alpha expert because zero to four, she wins, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah, first question, simple question, I think. Yes. What is Alpha? Can you tell us what Alpha is? Yes. So, Alpha is a simple yet beautiful tool that embodies the way of Jesus. So, like Bill was just sharing with us that Jesus was invitational, and he embodied this way of inviting people to do life with him. So... Alpha invites people into three things. Food or drink. Mm, I'm there. Um, the Alpha talk. And then a time of open discussion. And so um, in the Bible, Jesus showed that he cared for people by inviting them into a meal or into food and drink with him. Um, it's one of the last things he did before he died. He invited the disciples to enjoy a meal with him. And we see all these examples throughout the Gospels of how Jesus engaged with people through food and drink. Um, so every Alpha group is gonna start with food or drink, and that could look like dinner, that can look like uh, snacks, it can look like getting together for coffee or just getting together for dessert. So number two, um, Jesus also showed that he cared for people by inviting them to follow him. And so that's what the invitation of the Alpha Talk is. So it's a short and creative film that shows who Jesus is and what he's all about. 
and it explores hard questions that people are often asking about God, life, and meaning. And then um, number three is the open discussion time. So after every alpha film, there is a time of open discussion, and we follow the way of Jesus in this discussion um, because Jesus carried on a discussion with people by inviting them to be known and understood. And we see that example throughout the Gospels um, where Jesus didn't give all the answers when people asked questions. Um, Jesus even often answered people's questions with a question like, who do you say I am? What do you want? Why are you so afraid? And where is your faith? So the last part of every alpha, alpha group is a time of discussion where we take this posture like Jesus did of listening and curiosity and when we take the time to ask questions, we're actually honoring people by giving them an opportunity to share from their experiences and to be understood and be heard. So, Alpha is food and drink. Yes. The Alpha talk. That's good. And open discussion. We can do that. Like anything. Anything's on the table when the yes. open discussion? You can ask anything and you can say anything. All right. Maybe that shouldn't be for me. No, just kidding. Uh, so next question, why then, if it's so awesome, why should we do Alpha? And I ask this, like, why should we do Alpha as individuals, and why should we do Alpha as a church? That is a great question. Thank you. Um, because Alpha is designed for people who are far from Jesus, but you should be doing Alpha too. Um, because this is going to help you become more familiar with what Alpha is and um, what you're inviting people to. Um, if you are doing Alpha, it's going to be easy to invite somebody to Alpha because you can say, um, I'm inviting you to do Alpha with me. And like I just said, Alpha is a simple and beautiful tool that embodies the way of Jesus. So if you're doing Alpha, then you are going to naturally start to embody these ways of Jesus as well. Learning um, how to connect and disciple people through hospitality, um, inviting people into a conversation about choosing to follow Jesus, um, and you'll learn to engage in these conversations with that same kind of posture that Jesus had, which was curiosity and listening and asking questions to understand people. Um, you're taking the pressure off of people to conform and letting Jesus and the Holy Spirit do that work for you and allowing them to experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit for themselves. So then why should we really invite people? That's a great question too. I'm, I got them all. <laughs> I'm full of great questions. So like Phil was saying, like evangelism and the way we think about evangelism and the ways we've done evangelism are becoming less and less effective because our culture is becoming more and more skeptical about church. And um, that research from the survey you were talking about with Barna and Alpha um, is showing that people actually desire more of a conversation um, when it comes to hard things that they're facing 
and things that they need to process, like their doubt and questions about God. Um, and Alpha provides that shift in evangelism. It provides a way for non-Christians to participate in faith conversations in ways that they actually want to engage in that kind of discussion. And it cultivates a space where we're meeting people where they're at, um, allows us as Christians to embody that posture of curiosity um, with people who are skeptical about church. I'm on board, but it seems like it can be pretty intimidating to invite somebody to this thing. Do you have any tips or tricks that you can help us on how to invite, what's the best way, what's the easy way, what's a good way to actually invite somebody to come to Alpha? Of course I do. Good. So first, um, where we need to lay the foundation um, with the Holy Spirit and inviting the Holy Spirit into that inviting process. So um, I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight people to you um, who you know, your friends and family, co-workers, etc., that are far from Jesus, and write those names down. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for those people every day. Um, we're actually going to be doing this as a whole church, um, leading up into when we kick off for Alpha. Um, we're going to be engaging in 21 days of prayer. So this will um, kick off on August 28th, um, where you will set your alarm every day for 11.02, which represents Luke chapter 11, verse 2. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and the lives of these people that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, as you're engaging in conversation and prayer with the Holy Spirit about these people, then as the Holy Spirit leads you to invite someone, the first thing you need to know is how to get the conversation going. So there's these cards. Um, they're on the black tables in the back of the sanctuary um, for those who want a hard copy. But we also have a section on how to invite people to Alpha on our website, which is alpha.lancastervineyard.org. So on one side of the card, it says how to invite. So if you're not sure what to say, here's some tips on how to get the conversation going. So the first one, I'm going to practice with you, Phil, okay? Yeah. Can we make it quick? Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be a part of this group called Alpha. What's Alpha? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked me oh. that, Phil. So then I flipped to the, whoa. <laughs> I flipped to the other side that says, what is Alpha? And there's all these different ways to describe Alpha on there. So I can say it's an eight-week series where we're going to have amazing food, and we'll see short creative films that explore Christian topics and open conversations about faith and questions of life. Don't forget the food part. Yes, I think that'll probably awesome. win most people. That's why I'm going. So you take one thing on the first side, how to invite, and then you take one thing on the other side that describes what Alpha is. You also have these amazing Alpha invite cards that might be stuck on your bottoms. 
because we laid them out on every seat. And yeah. so you can use this as a tool. There's also other resources on alpha.lancastervineyard.org. Yeah, and so on this invite card, there's a website that says tryalpha.info. It's not 100% live, so uh, hold on to these. Oh, it is? It went mm -hmm. live? Yep, it's live. Oh, so much has, I know, I know a lot, don't I? We're so ready. Uh, anyway, the, the website is 100% live. It's ready to go. So uh, you can get more information about tryalpha.info. It's a site that we have. Uh, and just hand those out. They're great opportunities for us to invite people to Alpha. Thank you so much, Sarah Bay. I appreciate Thank you. you. Everybody, give Sarah Bay a hand. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up. So here's what I think we need to do next. If, uh, if, you're, if this, this idea of Alpha sounds remotely interesting to you, uh, we can put that slide up. Um, we are having an interest meeting uh, next Sunday after the service. And this meeting is going to go into a little bit more depth of what we're doing at Alpha, how we're going to execute it, how we're going to make it happen here at our church, and what role you can play. Coming to this interest meeting does not sign you up for anything other than the interest meeting, attending the interest meeting. Uh, it's not a commitment. It's an opportunity for you to learn more about Alpha, for you to be compelled to hopefully join us in launching Alpha here at our church. We're asking small groups to convert their small groups to Alpha groups. Uh, we're going to have a couple different Alpha uh, groups held off-site at different locations in town, not in a church, not in a house where it could be uncomfortable for some people to attend. But our goal is to have as many people doing Alpha as we possibly can, and for you as the church to practice inviting people into a conversation, into a journey of following Jesus. And here's one other thing that uh, we can do. My hope is that after hearing uh, what I have to say about evangelism, about how evangelism is an invitation, I hope you're feeling compelled by our, our introduction to you about Alpha and our conversation about Alpha, that you want... Uh, that you have people that are coming to your mind and said this would be really great for them. I've been wanting to talk to this person about Jesus, but it's so weird and so uncomfortable, and I just don't think I have the right words to say. Alpha is the perfect opportunity, the perfect environment, and a really easy way for you to say, hey, you want to come to this thing that I'm doing? It's called Alpha. What's Alpha, they ask. And then you're like, oh, let me tell you about it and you can bring them. So I want you guys to stand, and I want you to take this moment before we worship, before we go into worship, I want you, uh, and, and really, you know, honestly, as we are worshiping together, the Lord has set a table in heaven for every person to sit at. The table has been set. It's been set for you. It's been set for everybody in this world. The Lord has set a table, a feast, a banquet of following him in eternal life. Who do you know that is not sitting at that table that you want to take a seat? So as we worship, I want you to think about the names, the faces of the people in your life who really need a seat at the table of Jesus. Alpha is built on three main foundational blocks. Hospitality, 
listening, and prayer. So today, with those names in mind, we can start praying now for those people to respond to your invitation to Alpha.